Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jordan Hill with Kip Adams. Rusty Mansell is on vacation for this go-around, and uh, let's get this thing started. First off, Kip, how's it going? Sounds like you're uh, holding down the fort while we got some clouds. Yeah, going. we're rumbling right now. We got some good storms coming in. I hope Rusty is uh, is somewhere safe. I know he was planning on, uh, you know, enjoying his couple of days off, his, his much-needed uh, short vacation from uh, the site that really never shuts down at dogs 247 but yeah i'm I'm here and we're we're riding this storm through like like a lot of you guys listening to the show uh, as we record this it's uh there's a pretty good one coming in it's that time of year but it's also hey it's an exciting time of the year in sports we got spring football back it seems like we were just talking about that game in Indianapolis that, you know, Georgia fans are not going to soon forget but now already uh the guys are back out there on the practice field and Kirby Smart doesn't want you to know it, but they are preparing to try to defend the title this season. He he doesn't want anyone to uh, to really know that that's that's what they're working on. But I think uh, us as writers, the media that that don't understand what goes on in the program, we're not going to avoid talking about the fact that that Georgia is working on defending a title, something that we haven't been able to say on this show and haven't been able to say in general for a long time. Yeah, podcasts were not around the last time uh, Georgia was defending a title. Well, the uh, the storm's coming here, and uh, hey, the storm's coming with Georgia football. They uh, started spring practice on Tuesday. We had a chance to talk to Kirby Smart. We talked to a few players uh, since they officially began practice on Tuesday. And I kind of want to start with what has really been the biggest sort of news coming out of the start of spring, and, and it's typical. It's not something we're surprised by, but injuries. Uh, guys that we know are not going to be available. Really the biggest surprise of the names that were thrown out there, some pretty big ones like Smile Munden, who is a guy that I was really looking at inside linebacker, but Darnell Washington at tight end. We already knew Brock Bowers was not going to be available. Yep, just what do you think this means as far as, especially with spring, Darnell Washington not going to be available, Brock Bowers not being available. Uh, Just what that means at tight end and, and sort of what we can expect, what we should be looking for. Uh, in the coming weeks, leading all the way up to G-Day. Well, once again, like I said before, I know Kirby's going to push back on expectations, and and rightfully so as the head coach. That's his job to kind of, I guess, protect his players. But, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't say that this spring is a huge opportunity for Avery Gilbert, Uh, you know, a guy that wasn't on on the team once the season began last year but made that transfer over from LSU and, I mean, expectations are what they are. You don't go to Georgia and not have big expectations. And just coming off the freshman season he had at LSU and, and being a highly regarded prospect out of Georgia, going to be a lot of eyes on him. So uh, this spring was already an opportunity since he joined the team back in January, you know, going through the offseason workouts. For, for everything that we've seen and heard, you know, he's back and, and, and ready to give it a go. So as far as what we can report on and, and what we can discuss, this spring was already big for him. And now with Darnell Washington out, I think, again, even though he's listed as a wide receiver, just the fact that he's 6'5", 240, he's going to be a guy that Todd Monken uses at the tight end position as well as, you know, flexed out in the slot, just like they did with Brock Bowers last year. It's just a situation where his versatile skill set allows him to be at multiple positions on the field. And with Georgia running two tight end sets a lot of the time, John Fitzpatrick entering the draft early, 
there are a lot of snaps up for grabs at the tight end position this spring. And if it's not, if it's not Avery Gilbert, then freshman Oscar Delp's going to have a chance to come in there and, and showcase what he can do as well. Being a, another highly regarded recruit out of the state of Georgia, one of the top tight ends in the country. So again, big opportunity opportunity for those guys. And then, I mean, you do have guys like, you know, Brett Seether and, and, and uh and rylan Godey as well it's it's all about kind of staying staying healthy with rylan but those are guys that have good size and potentially having a chance to come in and earn some playing time as well but i i, th- I think we're kidding ourselves if we don't think that a lot of eyes are going to be on gilbert and i think this is an opportunity for him to to really step up and show that he's going to be a big part of this 2022 team for georgia yeah, and you hit on it, Kip. Uh, something Kirby that Kirby even said in his press conference that uh, Eric will be getting looks at tight end. You know, like I said, he's been listed as a receiver. You know, I, I kind of look at it as sort of a tough situation for Dar- Darnell Washington. I think a guy that had for him probably a disappointing twenty twenty one. You know, it looked like with JT Daniels, he was becoming kind of a go to receiver. And then Setson kind of takes on, and, and and Brock has the season he has. So, sure, another tough break for Darnell, but an opportunity for some of those other guys. And, too, an, another guy that I'll be really interested um, as a result of these tight ends not being available is Oscar Delp, being a true freshman, being an early enrollee. Um, it'll be really interesting to see uh, what he's able to do and, and what kind of reps he gets. And uh, even going forward to G-Day, just w- if he's able to get in the mix at all and what he's able to show. Um, it was really interesting sort of getting injury updates on some of the other guys. Tate Ratledge is a guy that got hurt. I think that was like the fourth play of the season last year. Uh, Kirby talked about um, that, you know, he's not quite full 100%. He's still coming back from that foot injury, uh, but uh, that he's basically doing walkthrough reps. It sounds like things are going well in that regard. A guy that I know a lot of people around the program and, and definitely fans are excited about, Arian Smith. Kirby talked about that, you know, it sounds like he's in really good shape. It sounds like he'll be able to, to practice a good bit and be out there in the mix. A guy they're kind of taking it slow with, Tyke Smith, a safety, a guy that might be, you know, filling one of those other safety spots. Uh, sounds like they're going really, really slow with him, want to be careful coming off that ACL injury. Um, so a lot of good nuggets as far as injuries because that's, you know, that's the biggest thing going into any year. And always the the story of a spring is uh, you want guys to break out and and have uh, big moments and show what they can do. But you also got to stay healthy because, uh, you know, even going back to George Pickens getting hurt last year, uh, you can see things kind of get derailed if if things don't go well during spring. Um, And it'll be something to watch these next few uh, days and weeks leading into G-Day, just how healthy they stay. And and if everybody can kind of uh, go into the summer feeling good and, and being as healthy as as you really can be uh, getting ready for another season. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Tate Ratlich. That was the guy they thought that, that you know, they had a plug-and-play guy there at guard, and they were really excited about him, you know, going into last season. So, I mean, with, with him still uh, coming back from that foot injury, I think this spring's a huge opportunity. You got Justin Schaefer going into the draft now. Who's gonna? Who are you gonna have? You know, at the guard position, because you already know that you got Warren McClendon at right tackle. Uh, you feel pretty good about Broderick Jones at left tackle. Uh, and Cedric Van Pran, I mean, he's he was as good as you could have hoped for last year at center. I mean, the two guard positions uh, are, are going to be uh, those battles are going to be some of the hard most hard fought this spring. I think 
you know, if if you're looking at a guy to watch, uh, maybe Jared Wilson. You know, that's the guy they were really high on last year coming in. I think that's a guy that, you know, both Sam Pittman, Sam Pittman was huge on him. And then, you know, obviously last year, Matt Luke loved him as well. So now Stacey Sarles comes in and, you know, is he a guy that, that really fits what Stacey's going to do? So, you know, that kind of segues into just a whole nother thing is this spring is an opportunity to see, uh, you know, uh, something new and something old with the, the, the Georgia coaching staff. It's kind of the, you know, the getting the gang back together with Brian McClendon at wide receiver and Stacey Searles at, at O-line and then, you know, Mike Bobo being an offensive analyst as well. So you're going to see some new faces out there, not just the, uh, the among the players, but also among the coaching staff. So that's that's another thing. Like, how do these new position coaches work work with this team? You know, everything went well last year. Uh, you know, what new wrinkles are is this coaching staff going to bring to this football team as as we look ahead to spring football? Yeah, and too, I'll kind of share a little bit about that. We got some good insight with, uh, we've had two days where we've been able to interview players. The first day was on Tuesday before practice. We interviewed uh, some players Thursday after practice and and had a chance to talk to some of those guys who are working with some of those new new position uh, coaches. I was really uh, impressed with just what I heard about Coach Searles. Um, Had a chance to talk to Warren Erickson. Had a chance to talk to Cedric Van Pran last night. And, you know, they really spoke highly of what they've seen from Coach Searle so far. Um, something that I was really intrigued by, Cedric was talking about, sort of the difference between Coach Searle's and uh, Coach Luke uh, was just sort of the way they go about practice. Cedric really hit on the fact that he felt like Coach Luke was really big on motivating during practice. There was obviously some instruction and things like that. And uh, he just straight up said, Coach Searles is, uh, he's, he just is, goes about his business. Like, he, I don't think he's, he's as much trying to get him hype and, and trying to get him motivated. It's all about technique and, and making sure that though everybody's on the same page. And it was really interesting, too. Uh, both Warren Erickson and Cedric talked about um, just trying to kind of get the terminology, you know, between, you know, different coaches, trying to understand and make sure everybody's on the same page. But I think Cedric really hit on one of the big things was like, hey, we all want to win. You know, we're going to do what we have to uh, to make sure we are on the same page. And, you know, whatever uh, the terminology differences, whatever um, the compromise was, I think the word Cedric used as far as making sure everybody understands their uh, own, that they are on the same page and, and what it's expected. Um, some of the other stuff, uh, I'm trying to remember, Nolan Smith spoke really highly of uh, Chidera Uzo Deribe. Um, just what he's seen from him so far. Um, yeah, they hit on something that when I had a chance to write uh, a story about uh, Chidera's time at SMU, his players talked about the fact that he is so young and he can relate to those guys. And that's something that Nolan talked about. That you know, I, I think it was Nolan that when he was talking, he's like, "I love him." You know, I've only known him like two weeks, so I'm gonna try to get to know him better. But I mean, that there really is a really good connection there already. And, you know, he's, you know, Nolan talked about the fact that, um, you know, that they can be in the room and they can kind of chit chat and talk about whatever new album just came out and talk about stuff like that. And then Nolan said uh, he breaks it down with focus on three. They break it down and then they get they get to work. And uh, I think that's really exciting to see a guy that, you know, from everything I've heard, seems like a really up and coming young coach. I think he's only like 29 years old. Uh, so somebody to definitely watch, somebody to keep an eye on, and, and uh, 
you know, someone will learn more about, I'm sure, as we go through spring. Um, I want to talk to you, Kip, and we can kind of go back and forth on this, something that Kirby really harped on and, and something that you even alluded to at the start, talking about defending the national championship. And, and it was something Kirby kind of, you know, sort of dismissed. I mean, said it's a new year. He had some of the players saying similar things. And, and whether you kind of look at it as defending the national championship or not, I was sort of impressed by what I'd heard some of the players say just about kind of turning the focus. And, and the thing that comes to mind for me that really stood out uh, was Cedric Van Pran last night talking about while they were going through, I guess, getting started for spring practice, they were out on the field and there was either a logo or a sign or something like that showing the national championship. You know, they had won the national title. And Cedric straight up said, yeah, I told some of the coaches, what's that doing there? That, that was a month and a half ago. You know, we're, we're past that. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I just think it's really interesting to sort of see that perspective. It's something Warren, Warren Erickson talked about, too, and, and said, you know, that it's time to kind of move on. Uh, how important do you feel like that mindset is? And how valuable do you feel like that is? Obviously, that was a huge milestone. Um, but these guys obviously know that 2022 is a new year and that there's more that they want to accomplish. That's really what I mean. That's that's where the coaching staff comes in because it's their job, regardless of how the season ended. They have to wipe that slate clean, and I think Kirby touched on that too. He just said that you know we start the off season just like we did after the loss to Texas. You know when when they lost that, we we go into each off season with the same mindset, and that's how they they handle their their off season workouts, and then going into spring practice. That's definitely have to, how they have to do it coming off a national championship. The one thing Kirby is trying to fight and battle all the time is complacency. That's what he always talks about. He doesn't want his players to be complacent. And now, I mean, if they feel like, you know, they've gotten to the, the mountaintop and, and, you know, they think they're good enough, it's going to be really difficult for, for Kirby Smart and his coaching staff to not just motivate the guys, but to push them to, to get better. And you have some guys – I think it's going to help that you have some guys that still probably want to prove themselves. I mean, like you mentioned, Nolan Smith, the guy that was the number one overall prospect coming out of high school. He's he's going to watch this NFL draft and see, you know, defensive players come off the board left and right in the first round and the first 50 picks. I think, you know, Georgia's defense has been talked about nonstop on the TV uh, for the last couple of months and Nolan Smith is kind of a footnote in that. I mean, he made that last sack to, to end the national championship, but his season, I mean, it was it was a good one, but he hasn't really – he's just scratching the surface of that potential. You know, having a new a new position coach, and that's another opportunity to, to maybe tap into untapped potential with him. And then you still have, obviously, uh, the offensive MVP of the national championship is a guy that will have to prove himself to – fans and critics every day and that's Stetson Bennett your quarterback I mean he's a guy that it's going to have people questioning you know can he be a guy that can be successful in a prolific passing attack is that something he's even there Georgia even wants him to do you know does Kirby Smart want Stetson Bennett throwing the ball a lot you know what what is his role on this team you know after you, you have guys going in NFL like Zamir White like James Cook you have running backs that you were able to lean on you have other guys, the defense you're able to lean on. If, if you have to lean on the offense, can Stetson Bennett get you there? Well, I mean, I'm sure that's something that Stetson, you know, he knows. And he'll tell you he doesn't think about outside noise, but you can't not know uh, at this point. You're going to hear about it. And so guys like that, and then A.D. Mitchell and, and Kelly Ringo, the fact that 
you didn't get to play his freshman year, but now he's draft eligible. I think, you know, that's going to motivate him to try to be that next DB that's that's a high draft pick. And can A.D. Mitchell step in, you know, and, and be that number one guy at wide receiver throughout the offseason instead of just a freshman breakout uh, guy? So there are guys all across across the roster that have to prove themselves. Kiaris Jackson, a senior who has been injured throughout his time at Georgia, I think him being a you know in a leadership role will help as well. So I think that's really what's going to be the focus of this spring is not just the identity, but where is Georgia's leadership going to come from this year? You want to go into the offseason knowing who your leaders are. And, I mean, Kirby Smart even alluded to that as well. In 2017 and last year, you knew who Georgia's leaders were. You knew who the Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean, Jamari Sawyer, you knew who those guys were. And so this spring is going to be Georgia trying to find that next group. And if those guys can step up like the, the guys in those magical seasons did for Georgia. You mentioned A.D. Mitchell and Keely Ringo and uh, got some good insight on those guys at Pro Day and, and some of uh, some of the stuff that the guys that are coming out had to say about them. And we'll get into that in a second. But first off, we'll take a quick break and then be right back. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we'll jump in now talking about Pro Day. Uh, Georgia coming off on Wednesday and had, I think, 19 football players, 16 guys that had played at Georgia, I guess 17, technically, if you're counting Prather Hudson, who moved on and finished his college career there at Illinois. But, uh, yeah, a really busy day, a really interesting day. There were 122 NFL personnel, which Kirby Smart said, uh, was a program record. I mean, there were people all over the place, guys that you recognize and guys you got to see. Uh, they see on TV all the time, Lovey Smith, Mike Tomlin, uh, Dan Quinn, Mike McCarthy. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of NFL brass that obviously are very excited about what's coming out of Georgia. Uh, Kip, you had a chance just to watch a little bit of it on, a bit, a little bit of it on TV. Uh, just what, what did you sort of take away from Pro Day? Anything that stood out? Anything that you think... Uh, you know, may really linger and, and be really important for Georgia once we get to the draft on April 28th. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't a, a lot of actual testing that we actually got to see on, you know, on TV. It was more just a, a two-hour advertisement for, for Kirby Smart and his program. It was more of a recruiting tool, really, just talking about just the guys that came into Georgia and developed and are going to be drafting it highly. But, you know, I guess what I took from it is that you know, Jordan Davis is continuing to try to show he can be a, a three-down player going through those drills and, and trying to, you know, showcase the teams. He's not just going to be a you know first and second down run, run stuffer. I think for him it's it's about he's trying to, to maintain that, you know, top 10 to top 15 overall stock because that's kind of the question with him. And they brought that up on the broadcast, the fact that he played like 36% of Georgia's defensive snaps. Do you take a guy that high that – only plays that many snaps or is it a product of how efficient he is if he's that powerful on the field then you you don't need him on third down because you already got you know the the offense in the third and long situation so it's kind of a chicken and the egg question mark with jordan davis that nfl scouts will have to figure out and other than that i think trevon walker to seeing him out there working out with the linebackers basically doing db drills it continues to show that you know, his best football is in front of him, and he's likely going to be the first Georgia player selected in this draft, which is not something that many people would have predicted a year ago, six months ago. 
uh, it's just incredible to, to see how athletic and, and just how, uh, you know, freakish he is. I mean, is he going to go in the top five now? It's a possibility that, you know, he's going to go maybe number two, number three, number four, he could be in, in any of those picks. And I think for, for Georgia and for Trey Scott, you're, you know, you're able to sell that this guy came into your program, did not put up prolific stats, uh, but is still walking away as a, likely top 10 overall pick in the draft that's a huge selling point for the program no doubt about it and, and there was a lot to kind of take away you know from what we got to see I know Rusty was very impressed with Quay Walker what he was able to do out there and it'll be mm -hmm. re really interesting just to see where all these guys wind up and how many first rounders there are that was something that some of the players after the workouts uh, talked about that hey we want to set the record you know we want to have the most first rounders drafted uh, some of the things that I got to hear after the fact that I thought were really interesting, you know, Kirby talked about the value, like you said, sort of of the recruiting part of having days like Pro Day where you have so many NFL brass and NFL personnel. And, and a quote that really stood out to me uh, was Kirby talking about, you know, you can sell the next Jordan Davis on being the next Jordan Davis. You can sell the next George Pickens on being the next George Pickens. I mean, th those names obviously – are going to resonate with recruits and, and you know you can look and point to these guys and say hey you know these are guys that have future uh, really bright futures uh, at the nfl level and, and we can help you get there going back again like you just said with trayvon walker you can say look this is a guy that was productive didn't have numbers that just flew off the charts as far as stats at georgia but you know like i said he, he might be a, a top 10 pick when it's all said and done uh, so that was really interesting it, it was good to Talking to, to George Pickens, you know, he talked about wanting to leave a legacy at Georgia. And somebody asked him, so who's the next receiver? Basically, who's the next Bulldogs guy that's going to stand out? Didn't even hesitate. Said AD. Uh, you know, AD Mitchell was going to be the guy. And we saw, obviously, signs of that last season. And, you know, he ended the year with that huge catch to really help Georgia get over the top and win the title. Uh, but, you know, Georgia was very, very complimentary of what he's seen from AD. I think you got to be really excited if you're a Georgia fan as far as that goes. Um, and then also, too, I had a chance to talk to Darion Kendrick about Keely Ringo. And, again, he had a ton of praise. He said, you know, obviously he'll have a decision to make at the end of the 2022 season because as a redshirt sophomore, he could uh, declare for the NFL draft. And Darion said, you know, he could be the top corner. He could be the top corner in next year's draft class because of his skill and what he's bringing to the table. So a lot of good insight from guys that have been there, done that, and have seen, uh, you know, these guys daily, day in and day out. Uh, it was really good kind of getting a, a feel for what they think of the upcoming guys, guys that had big roles to fill, guys that Georgia's going to count on in a big way uh, in 2022 if they want to go after some of those lofty goals they have. Um, well, Kip, before we kind of uh, wind this thing down, I'd be remiss not to bring up the fact that, hey, recruits are coming back on campus. We're seeing guys making visits and, and getting sort of in the mix, guys that we may see in red and black here in a few years. So, uh, Kip, just what's sort of your take of what, what's going on right now? How important really this time of year is for Georgia looking forward uh, to the future? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what recruits want to see. What does this team look like? post-national championship and I think uh, like I said I've said before on the show and Rusty said as well Kirby Smart's not really worried about getting everyone down for a Saturday you know a big junior day event is not really the goal in the spring because these players are in school 
they have spring sports going on. They're either running track, play, uh, you know, playing baseball. Uh, you know, they're, you know, AAU, there's, there's a number of, of activities going on in the spring that are also taking up, uh, you know, their time. And then, you know, also have like prom. Yeah, just regular, uh, you know, high school activities as schedule. So Kirby says, whenever you want to get in town, get in town. You know, we'll be here. And that that's kind of where things have gone. I mean, you had D- Dylan Raiola probably, I mean, without a doubt, Georgia's top 2024 quarterback target. And you had him on campus Wednesday. You had K.J. Bolden, a five-star out of Buford on Thursday. You know, Arch Manning, as we record the show, Arch Manning, obviously a lot of eyes on him all the time. You know, he's in town on Friday in Athens. So Georgia's getting guys on, on campus whenever they can. They're going to have LT Overton in town this weekend. Tamarian Parker, a, a defensive lineman uh, from Alabama that Georgia's been heavily involved with in really good shape recruiting-wise for him. And he's going to be in town this weekend. That's a guy that, you know, I, I project to Georgia right now. And anytime you're able to get a a top 100 recruit out of the state of Alabama, especially on defense, I mean, that's that would be a huge feather in Kirby Smart's cap as far as recruiting. I mean, recruiting the state of Alabama, he's been trying to do that since he got there, getting guys like Monty Rice, getting George Pickens. I mean, he's able to get guys here and there, you know, out, outside of Auburn and Alabama being able to keep those guys in state. So it's, it, it is a big weekend. There are a lot of guys in town this weekend uh, to see Georgia, and I think they're going to continue to do that this spring. Is whenever they can get guys in, I mean, they're practicing – you know, twice during the week, they have their spring scrimmages as well. They're not going to try to focus on getting everyone in for G day because every other school's trying to do that as well. And, uh, you know, guys have prom as well. I mean, I talked to recruits at, at the Under Armour camp, uh, earlier this month and, and they said like, I've got Alabama, I got a high state, I got Georgia all wanting me in town on April 16th. I've got prom. You know, I can't be there, you know? So that's not something that Kirby's going to worry about. If you can come in this weekend, then this is the weekend that he you know, he wants to get you in, th- in town just to see the coaching staff, see how the team looks uh, in spring and, and showcase how they're going to use guys at different positions. And I think it's, you know, I think it's going to be pretty, uh, pretty uh, productive for Georgia in recruiting this thing. I think it's going to, you know, they already have a pretty solid recruiting class for 2023 with, you know, seven guys committed right now, but I, I think we're going to, you know, have some more movement on that this spring. So that's another aspect that we'll just be covering at Dogs 247 over the next month or so. But I, I think it's definitely one of the big storylines of the spring is just getting guys out back on campus still feels like, you know, exciting news for the coaching staff, for recruits and for fans. Yeah, you gave good perspective there, Kip. I mean, a lot of these guys, they're worrying about getting that tux and getting in the limo going to prom, man. You know, they got, they're busy, but obviously they'll have their chance to come on campus and, and get to see what Georgia's got to sell. I also got to give a shout-out to my guy, Tamarian Parker. I mean, Central Phoenix City, man. I've spent a lot of time over there uh, in Phoenix City checking out those Red Devils, so he'll be somebody to watch, obviously. Uh, before we wrap up this episode, a very busy week for Georgia athletics as a whole. And Tuesday was about as busy as it could possibly have been. Start of spring practice, but also the introduction of the 23rd men's basketball coach for the Bulldogs, Mike White, a guy that had spent the last several seasons as the head coach at Florida, was formally introduced as the head coach for Georgia, had a chance to not only listen to his introductory press conference, but also talk to him after the fact and and sort of pick his brain a little bit and wanted to hit on that a little bit and and sort of my immediate takeaways. 
obviously time is going to tell how this hire works out, um, you know, what he's able to do. And the biggest things are obviously going to be recruiting, especially recruiting in the state of Georgia, especially what staff he puts around him. You know, there's some names that people think might be in the mix. Hard to say at this point. We'll see if he decides to go after some guys that he's coached with before or if he tries to go with guys that have ties to the program and ties to the state of Georgia. But I really like what I had to hear from Mike White. I thought that sort of his approach, sort of his explanation, and, and sort of what he sees Georgia as possibly being was really interesting because I, I don't think anyone would argue with the fact that Georgia men's basketball has had untapped potential for pretty much the modern era of the program. I mean, going back, they haven't won an NCAA tournament game since 2002. I hate to break it to anybody listening to this podcast. I was eight years old uh, the last time that Georgia won an NCAA tournament game. So, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's a situation that Mike understands what he's looking at, um, the, the what he can do there in time. And that's something, too, that I think Josh Brooks really hit on, too, when we had a chance to talk to him. George's athletic director, you know, talked about being realistic with building this thing. Obviously, you want to see success but that there's ways to do it and ways not to rush the process and ways to make this thing sustainable. And I think you've got a guy, truthfully, when Mike White was announced on Sunday, I was really surprised. That wasn't a name that I had really heard. Um, I think it caught a lot of people off guard, but I think when you look at the hire from the grand scheme of things and look at it from the viewpoint of we want consistency at Georgia, there really hasn't been Truthfully, consistency at Georgia since really the the early years of the Mark Fox era, they kind of tailed off there at the end. But they they did have three straight years of 20 wins, um, which is very much what I think is um, sort of the expectation of what you would want Georgia to be. Just didn't have the NCAA tournament success that you can uh, lean on and really, you know, have a long tenure at a program with. But, uh, you know, really looking at this opportunity, I think, Something that Mike White didn't really hit on, but I think it's a chance for him to reset. I think it's an opportunity that, you know, he was successful at Florida, but I think that coming off especially replacing Billy Donovan, you know, when you're not consistently going to elite eights like he did his second year but never got back, you know, that, that kind of hangs around. And I think he was going to be safe, and I think he was going to be back at Florida this next season had he decided to stay. But I think he saw an opportunity – to really, you know, kind of reset and have a chance to build something new. And this is going to be, you know, if it's successful, nobody's going to say, well, you're, you know, you're coming off the, the coattails of the coach before you. Brother, nobody's going to give any success that comes with the Mike White era. No one's going to attribute that to Tom Green or even Mark Fox before him. Uh, this is an opportunity to build something new. And uh, I, I was pleased and, and liked what Mike had to say. But obviously, these next few weeks and months are going to be really important. Uh, there's been good news on the recruiting front from guys that were already looking at Georgia and saying, you know, we still want to come. Um, but it's going to be all about what Mike's able to do and, and kind of hitting the ground running, staff he puts around him, how he recruits. Uh, that's going to be key if we're, we're sitting here three or four years from now saying the Mike White era was a success or that Georgia took a gamble and it didn't ultimately pay off. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are saying that this was kind of a safe hire. It's not flashy, but. I mean, Mike White is 44 years old, and his I think the, wor the worst he ever did was his first year at Louisiana Tech, he took over a losing team and went 18 and 16, you know? And, and so for, for Georgia, 
you do need to raise the floor because Mark Fox should have been the floor for, for Georgia's program. And so I think even when you're bringing a guy like Mike White, you're raising the floor, but you're still raising the upside as well. Because I think with Georgia, there is going to be more infrastructure around him uh, and in, in the administration than he had at Florida. And I think it, the one thing was clear was that he needed a fresh start. And from what, I, what I've heard, the people involved in the, the hiring process, they think he's a stud. They were excited to get him. Uh, they ignored all the noise, you know, from from Florida and, and the feedback of them being happy he's gone. They were excited to get Mike White as the head coach. They think he's the real deal, and they think this fresh start's going to do him well. I think for him it's about chipping away at being a tournament team. I mean, he only has to win seven games next year to have an actual improvement in year one. And the one thing I kind of remember about Tom Crean is that, you know, he took a, over a winning program and then went two and 16 in the SEC. And even though he brought in Anthony Edwards after that, brought in that class, I, I think you kind of started to see even early on that there were issues there. I mean, I remember him talking about after they lost at home that basically complaining that he made a mistake by keeping the roster intact. He should have cleaned house. And uh, should you say that out loud? Is that something you should say publicly to the media or should you have kept that in house? And that early on, that was not the culture you really want for a winning program. So that's what we'll be watching with uh, Coach White is, is what kind of culture he tries to instill at Georgia and obviously with that coaching staff. Can he, can he bring in, you know, a, a guy like Jonas Hayes to be an assistant? Will Jonas get other looks? You know, what opportunities will he have? I'm sure that you know, having a guy like Jonas Hayes on the staff, a guy that was, you know, potentially in the mix to be the head coach, but at the same time, a Georgia native, and then also bringing in Al Pinkins, his top assistant at Florida, another Georgia native. Those are the kind of guys you, you get on your staff and you're establishing that you're going to make the state of Georgia a priority in recruiting. And obviously in Atlanta, you're going to try to keep some top talent in the state. And I think that's that's what the fan base has wanted. So if, as long as they're able to be patient, Know that, uh, and you know, the goal is to get back to the tournament, maybe, you know, maybe in year, maybe not year three, maybe year four, win a game in year four in the tournament. You're back to where you were. You're back on track of where you should be as a basketball program. And I, I think that's where the expectation should be for Georgia fans is to give this guy some runway and, and know that down the road, it, it should pay off in Georgia at least being a respectable SEC basketball program. And that is not something they've been the last couple of years. And as you said, for a long time. Before we close it out, Kip, I got to ask, we're recording a little bit after noon Eastern time on Friday. How's that bracket looking? Uh, that bracket was busted very quickly. Uh, thanks a lot to Michigan for that. Uh, th thanks a lot to Iowa for that. And obviously Kentucky. Whew. Uh, you know, I think I had I had Kentucky and, and Kansas playing for it all. I was flipping a coin. I had Texas Tech as a potential upset, uh, get, getting in there and getting into the national championship game. But, you know, I ripped that thing up early and started just looking at spring training for the Braves, uh, you know, just, just excited for that and, and paying attention to uh, the fact that the Braves are going to repeat, and you know, as national champions because I don't see any other roster in the National League that can compete with those guys. That's that's where my focus went real quick is, is watching to see if, uh, you know, the Braves can bring back Jorge Soler uh, to be, you know, fourth, fifth outfielder and, and stack that roster even more. 
Um, don't don't know anyone else that has had a as good an off season as the Braves. I think everything's kind of lined up perfectly for them. So I'm going to ignore uh, the, the bracket as I usually do on the on the first two days. It's usually when I start to look at spring training and then and, and turn around and and see uh you know which minor league guys are going to be pitching for the Braves in spring training. So that's where my focus is. It's probably where everyone's focus should be right now. Braves going 162 and 0 this year. You heard it first from Kip Adams. Uh, yeah, I uh, I had Kentucky and I had Iowa in my Final Four. So, uh, well, I already dropped those two. So really yep. rooting for rooting for Arizona and I threw Duke in there. Maybe Coach K will make a late run to finish this thing off. So, well, hey, we're going to get out of here on that. Kip, thanks again for the time. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Uh, for Kip Adams, I'm Jordan Hill. Until next time, take care, everybody.